funding for if this bar could talk is provided by still no one. Absolutely nobody. But we'd be happy to be supported by just about anyone. Yeah, literally anyone. We can pretend to like anything. (laughs) Anyway. We'll give it a shot. Yeah. So tonight we talked to Doug Winship. Uh, Very interesting guy. Very busy, clearly. Um, He's got a lot going on. Um, He is a bartender at Hooli Hooli in Powell, which admittedly we have never been to, but we've heard wonderful things about. We can't wait to get there. Um, we're definitely going to get carry out cocktails from there very soon. We should do that yep. this week, actually. Yeah, we get some food, get some carry out cocktails. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, but he also did a really great thing, which was um, he put together a cocktail book called Quarantinis um, to support the Columbus Bar community. So it's a uh, it's a bunch of uh, original recipes by Columbus bartenders. That, who you will probably um, recognize, and Doug's in here also. Um, and then the front part of the book gives like methodology and um, just kind of teaches you the basics of how to make a cocktail. So, and the proceeds go to the Columbus Bar community. So it's a great way to show your support for all of the people that you miss. Mm-hmm. Not being able to go to their bars. Yeah, and this is a perfect time for a book like this. When you can't, if you're not comfortable going out, just, um, and a lot of it is ingredients or things that you have in your home that, you know, you already have and you can just make yourself a cocktail. So learn a new skill during the quarantine, right? Definitely. All right. And buy the book, buy the book, go on Amazon and buy the book. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars. I'm Blair Beavers, and here's your host, Leanne Sims. Hey, Doug. Thanks for taking the time to be with us tonight. So how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about you guys? Pretty good. Staying healthy, staying active, so we can't complain too much. Um, I'm drinking a tiki cocktail tonight in honor of you. It's the uh, right hand man from Alex Eiler at Sidebar. So okay, cool. Yeah, pretty tasty. Um, I'm having a a Blue Beetle Number Two, which is uh, one of the ones for actually from the book. So nice, awesome. So um, you were a contestant in our very first "I'm Not Really a Bartender" cocktail competition, and Mm -hmm. now you really are a bartender. So tell us how that came about. Uh, well, actually, um, yeah, it's, uh, I had, I discovered there was a tiki bar opening up very near my house. Uh, and I was rather surprised by that, uh, and rather excited about it. And I actually, uh, I kept trying to figure out who owned it and I didn't, uh, I didn't know anybody who knew who the owner was. So I, uh, finally, uh, got in my car and drove the three quarters of a mile to, uh, Huli Huli. This is before it had opened. Uh, and I just knock on the front door and walk in and started asking questions uh, about what they were doing, what their program was going to be like, what their philosophy was. And I was uh, very impressed with what they were doing. So I ended up saying, you know, well, if you need a, uh, a, uh, a mouthy guy who uh, knows his cocktails but hasn't worked behind the stick before, uh, I'd be very interested in, in being a part of this. And as it happened, they were looking for someone to be sort of a, uh, a tiki ambassador. 
Uh, and uh, so I kind of fit the bill from them. So I've been there since the uh, day one of their uh, soft open. Oh, that's so cool. And you do some sort of tour. Tell me about that. Uh, we have a program up there called our, uh, our Tiki Tours, uh, which uh, hopefully we'll get back up and ready again uh, shortly. We'll have to uh, modify some things. But uh, what the basic premise is, is it's a, uh, it's a cocktail tasting program where uh, I, I sit down with uh, usually a group of uh, six guests at a time. And uh, we go through a, a, a tasting of different tiki cocktails, uh, usually uh, six rounds of uh, cocktails. Obviously, they're not full size because six rounds of tiki cocktails, uh, you <laughs> right home. You're rolling back up again. Uh, but uh, the, the drinks we make are, are not our menu drinks. Uh, they're ones either that are uh, creations of mine or ones that I've discovered either on the interwebs or in my uh, travels around the tiki bars around the country or things that I've picked up from, from friends of mine. Um, and uh, usually I may do some modifications to that. Uh, you know, we, we already do a pretty high level presentation at Huli Huli for cocktails, uh, but I try to kick it up another notch on the, uh, on the garnishes and the vessels we use to serve the drinks in and things like that. And I understand um, from, word from hearing just about you around town that you host an annual like secret tiki thing. Tell us about that. Uh, I, I, one of the things that I find interesting is, is I've, I've gotten a reputation as being a tiki guy, even though I'm really a, a classic gin cocktail guy is really my, Oh, right. Uh, apart. My yeah. uh, I have, I, I built my wife and I did designed and built a very lovely basement bar in our home uh and it is a very modern uh you know black and chrome and purple and pink uh bar uh but once a year in february and this goes back to i've uh maintained a, a cocktail blog for going on 14 years now i think my 14th anniversary of the blog was only a couple of weeks ago uh maybe a couple of days ago <clears throat> and uh I got into that to, to explore classic gin cocktails. Uh, but a couple of years into that, I started exploring tiki. And uh, I started doing, uh, every February was I would do tiki because tiki requires a lot of work uh, and requires a lot of uh, infrastructure to do tiki drinks. And I've discovered that even more so since I've started working in a tiki bar. Uh, but I started in February doing a tiki month where I would write about tiki all month long. And after a while, I started wanting to do some tiki stuff in real life in my bar. And over the last few years, uh, really over the last five or six years, uh, I have every year increased the, uh, the crazy decor, tiki decor in my basement. It's a tiki pop-up for the month of February. It, it goes back, if you go down there right now, uh, the only tiki thing left is uh, the robot parrot and the working volcano. Uh, and that's just because I don't feel like putting them in storage. Everything else is not. But uh, uh, in February, I do a series of little house parties for uh, friends uh, that I know from either, uh, you know, either my social friends or my uh, bar friends. Uh, and uh, we have little uh, weekly tiki pop-up. And for the longest time, that was my, my real bar training. 
Uh, that's, you know, that would be the place where I would sit down and do highly complex cocktails for 15 to 20 people at a time. Uh, so I, I, I was doing that intentionally in the idea that eventually I would be wanting to uh, work in a bar or own a bar. We'll see. And back up, what was the name of your blog? And um, the name of my blog is The Pegu Blog, uh, which you can find at that URL, thepegublog.com. Uh, its real address is a subsidiary of, of one of my businesses, which is Killing Time Murder Consultants, which is killingtime.com. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you can find the blog at thepegublog.com. Tell us about the Killing Time. That sounds interesting. Well, Killing Time is a very interesting and, and lovely business product that I've been doing for about 20 years, and it has uh, been completely nuked from space. Uh, by COVID-19 uh, in that it is a product designed for a stand-up uh, crowded cocktail party environment. So uh, I don't really have, <laughs> I've got a long time before I can even think about even trying to sell anything on that again. Uh, I have another small business that I was trying to stand up right before this happened and uh, I hope to be getting back to it, uh, which is offering um, in-home uh, cocktail skills education. Uh, which I was doing a bit of before this started. And like I said, I'm trying to stand that back up again now. Uh, that's, uh, a, I have a pretty good time with that when, we, when I do events of that nature. And I can do that responsibly with small groups. It's designed for, for smaller groups. So. But the, uh, the Killing Time is a murder mystery entertainment business. Uh, I do, it's a party for between 16 to 30 adults. Uh, you do stand-up cocktail type environment. And uh, there's a murder mystery. The uh, guests play all the roles. All the guests play a role. Uh, they even play the murder and the victim. And they even stage the murder at some point during the party. And then we solve it. Okay. So, so uh, it's kind of like a clue in full scale. Uh, a little bit, yeah. It's a combination of, uh, of uh, Clue and um, live-action role-playing, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. the people don't have parts to read. There's no performance element in front of people, so people don't have to feel, uh, you know, stage fright or anything like that. But uh, you're spending about two, three hours being someone else. Uh, I give you a set of uh, motivations and character traits and secrets. Uh, and then uh, the guests figure out what to do with that uh, and have, a, have an awfully good time watching the creativity of the guests uh, creating the entertainment value. Are there costumes involved? Uh, I always tell people, uh, I always tell hosts not to call it a cocktail party because then potential guests will go, do I want to go to this cocktail, I want to go to this costume party. But uh, that said, I always encourage people to dress to help them get into character. Uh, so I would say about half of the parties turned into fairly elaborate, uh, crazy looking costumes and outfits and things like that. And the other half are more, somewhat more normal. Everyone does a little bit to try and figure out, you know, what would that character dress like and dress accordingly. That's fun. Yeah, when, when we can do it again, I definitely want to do that. And I'm going to make everybody dress up because I love dressing up. Oh, I, well, I, like I said, I've had, you know, I've, I've done, but I, I travel for that. I do them all over the country. Uh, and I have had some very interesting uh, clients over the years who have uh, created more or less uh, fascinating uh, prerequisites for their guests. So uh, sometimes the parties do get quite elaborate. Are we allowed sometimes they're black tie, sometimes they're period black tie. It, it can be an interesting collection of 
of the results. Nice. And you're, so you're also the longtime treasurer of the USBG Columbus chapter, right? Yes, I have been the, uh, the, the treasurer since we established a, a Columbus chapter, actually. Wow. Um, so that's about six years or so. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a learning experience for me. Uh, I, I feel most of the time I feel like I'm the oldest guy in the room. Uh, that's because most of the time I am the oldest guy in the room. Uh, and it's, 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 it's always very educational working with these kids who uh, care so much about their craft. Uh, and what they're doing and are really working very hard to to be, you know, real true professionals. And uh, there's a lot I have to learn from them. Uh, and uh, it's, it, USBG is a lot of fun. And I recommend it for anybody who really wants to know about the bar industry. And you don't have to be a bartender. You can be an enthusiast, right? Exactly, exactly. There's, uh, there's three different uh, kinds of memberships. The one is, is for a, a working bartender. If you, if you draw shifts at a bar, uh, that's, the, the, that's the core membership. That's, I'd say, 80% of our members, 70% of our members. Uh, then there are um, uh, professional industry memberships. That's your, uh, your liquor representatives and people like that. And then finally, the last category is enthusiasts. These are people like me uh, who are consumers uh, at a very high level who uh, <clears throat> have a, a great deal of interest in the craft of bartending, uh, as well as interest in spirits education and things like that. Um, and uh, anyone can become a member of the United States Bartenders Guild uh, as, a, as an enthusiast uh, and go and participate in events and come to our uh, come to our parties and come to our spirits tastings and things like that. Uh, the USBG is, is, is eager to have uh, people outside the industry that give us some balance uh, and swell our numbers and give us a, a, an entree into uh, the, the customer arena, which is very important, obviously. Right. So besides loving alcohol, loving to, you know, the whole culture, what got you interested in this whole craft cocktail, craft cocktail movement? What, what uh, got you started? I, I will say back uh, in, the, in the 90s, my, my wife and I have been married 30 years now. Oh, wow. um, the first decade of our marriage, we were uh, very big wine people. We would go to the, uh, you know, we'd go to wine dinners and wine tastings and we, you know, we traveled to Napa and all of that. Um, and, uh, we, we had a real good time with it, but I, I wasn't quite, I, I felt like, especially as time went on, I felt like I was felt unsatisfied. Uh, and in 1999 for Christmas, my, uh, wife bought me 99 or 98. She bought me a, a cocktail book. Um, it was, uh, Paul Harrington's cocktail. It was one of the very first, uh, blog books I ever, uh, saw much less read, do you know, know what I mean by a blog book? A, a book that is essentially a, comp, a compilation of blog posts. Uh, and this was a compilation of the uh, cocktail blog on Wired from back in the 90s. And uh, I bought this book and fell in love with all of these crazy uh, ancient cocktail recipes. Uh, and one of the first things it did is cause me to say, okay, I'm going to get over my aversion to gin and I'm going to try some of these gin cocktails. Uh, and as I progressed through there, I found a particular cocktail called the Pegu, 
which I really, really liked. And I became very frustrated. It became kind of a running gag that I could never find any bartender anywhere who knew what it was. So uh, I would pester every bartender I ran into that was not in the weeds into making me a Pegu club so that they would then know how to make one for anyone else in the unlikely event anyone else wanted this incredibly obscure cocktail. Um, I was unaware at the time that about that time, uh, Audrey Sanders was opening the, uh, the great Pegu club in New York City. Uh, so there was uh, a, a greater forces than me trying to evangelize this ancient 1920s cocktail. And for our uh, listeners who don't know, what, what is in that cocktail? The Pegu Club is a, is a gin sour, uh, what's a classic cocktail called a gin, improved gin sour. So it is uh, three parts of gin, uh, one part of an orange curacao, uh, such as Cointreau or Grand Marnier or uh, dry curacao, uh, or triple sec, um, one ounce of fresh lime juice, uh, and uh, some bitters. I like to use both Angostura and orange bitters. Uh, it is a very old cocktail. It dates back to the uh, Pegu Club, which was the big British uh, imperial aristocratic gentleman's club in uh, Rangoon, Burma, uh, back during the, the days of the Raj. Uh, and uh, it, was a, it, it is a delicious cocktail. It is bright and strong. Uh, and uh, it's a pretty good one for introducing people to gin who aren't necessarily in it. Uh, like I said, my recipe is three parts gin, one part lime juice, one part Cointreau, uh, dash of orange, dash of ango, shake it, serve it up. It's a, it's a fabulous cocktail. Everyone should drink it. Yeah. <laughs> And, but that got me into this whole idea of searching for uh, talented, advanced bartenders, uh, talking to them about their craft, talking to them about what they were doing, uh, and learning for myself how to create the, these next level drinks. And from that, I learned about the creativity that goes into cocktails as opposed to, say, drinking wine which to me is a, is a critic's game. It's about evaluating other people's work and other people's creativity as opposed to your own work and your own creativity. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty good segue into our next topic, which is your amazing cocktail book that you published. Thank you. So <laughs> I, you've been planning this for a long time, right? Uh, actually, we were, uh, we were working on a, a somewhat different cocktail book from the uh, community here in town. Uh, and I'm hoping to get back to that project uh, sometime, sometime uh, <laughs> in, uh, in the future. Uh, but uh, this one sort of came up when everything came to a, a crashing miserable halt. Uh, and uh, people were looking around for, you know, it, it, what to do with themselves. And uh, one, of our, uh, <clears throat> one of our industry members of our local USBG chapter, Tammy Slobodnik, um, contacted me because she knew I had had a, uh, a community cocktail book sort of in the back of my mind for a while. And, say, and she suggested we do one uh, for uh, charity relief for bartenders who are out of work and are struggling. And I thought that was a great idea. 
and so she and I started recruiting a lot of uh, talented and eager bartenders who were sitting around with nothing to do uh, and uh, started collecting a group of uh, cocktails that could rationally be made by amateurs in their home with stuff they could get pretty easily. Uh, you know, there are, there are cocktails in that book that someone dealing with, you know, New York level quarantine could make. There are other cocktails in that book that you would have to be dealing with Ohio level quarantine to be able to make. But nonetheless, uh, the idea was they're cocktails for shut-ins. If you want a next level cocktail in terms of creativity and interest, and you can't get out to a bar and find what someone's offering up for you there. You don't just have cocktails. You also have methodology and. Yes. There's a, there's a fair amount of the, the first, uh, the first section of the book is uh, some methodology about uh, some of the basic terms in, uh, for cocktails and some of the basic uh, strategies and, and skills that someone needs. Uh, a little bit of that first section gives you a taste of uh, what some of my curriculum is for my home cocktail education. Uh, some of it is lifted from uh, yet another cocktail book I'm working on that's a, a much more text-heavy uh, and more, more, much more in-depth book uh, that I have not spent enough of my time in quarantine working on. I wish I had, but uh, nonetheless. Um, There's so, time, and then, I'm sorry, go ahead. There's still time, unfortunately. Yes, there is still time, and I, I was uh, actually doing a bit of writing on that earlier today. I need to just dig back into that as well. Um, but yes, there is there there's some. I I think it's pretty good instructional material in there mm -hmm. for people who, uh, you know, if, if your if your cocktail practice to this point has been to uh, pour Jack Daniels and Coca Cola into a glass with ice. Uh, making more advanced cocktails can seem a little intimidating. I don't think it really is once you get into it, but uh, it always helps to have someone giving you uh, a good starting point to build your skills off of. And what better time than now to learn a new skill? It is, it is a great time to learn a new skill. Uh, and it is definitely a great time to learn the value of being able to make a great cocktail yourself at home. Yeah. And where can people buy the book? Uh, the book is available in three formats. It's available on Kindle and on Apple Books. Uh, and it is available in paperback from Amazon, direct from Amazon. Uh, we use their Amazon's uh, direct to print. So if you order it, uh, they will print a copy of it and send it to you. Uh, if to uh, find it, you look up under CBC Quarantinis is the name of the book on, uh, on Amazon and on Apple. Uh, or you can simply uh, search by author by my name, Doug Winship, and you'll find it there since that's the only uh, author title I have on those platforms. Nice. And uh, all, of the, uh, all of the proceeds that I get from that, I turn around and am uh, sending to uh, a local uh, bar and restaurant relief organization here in town. Nice. That's awesome. And Father's Day is coming up. That would be a great gift. 
it is an excellent it is an excellent gift for Father's Day. It is an excellent gift if, before Father's Day because uh, many of you would like to have uh, your spouse or someone else shut up in the house with you to go make you a good cocktail before that. Uh, <laughs> you know, things are opening up a little bit, but it's still you know many of us have uh, a lot of reasons not to be able to go out to to uh, bars yet. A lot of bars are not up fully up and running yet. Uh, so a lot of, you know, a lot of staff also is not yet back on the job and uh, still needs some help. So does Huli Huli have a plan for reopening yet? Huli Huli does have a plan for reopening. I actually worked my first shift since February uh, on uh, Saturday. Okay. And uh, we have a, a small patio uh, and have high hopes that uh, the Palo City Council will allow us to uh, expand that patio shortly. Uh, as of, uh, I believe this Thursday, when the state allows indoor uh, seating at restaurants, uh, we've rearranged all our seating so that um, we're able to accommodate a number of people indoors. Uh, and for them, we'll be able to, we will be up and running and offering our, uh, our full Tiki experience. Uh, with uh, full cocktails and glassware and everything else like that. And it's going to mean a heck of a lot of extra work on us for uh, dishwashing and things like that and maintaining, uh, maintaining cleanliness and social distancing. But uh, we we're changing our order, you know, our, our logistics of uh, taking orders and things like that. But uh, come this uh, Thursday, the, uh, which day is that? I think the 21st. Uh, you will be able to go into Huli Huli, sit down and, and enjoy a lobster roll or some bao buns or uh, bang bang broccoli and have a zombie or a Mai Tai. Nice. Are you doing any kind of carry out food or cocktails? We, we have done very well uh, with both uh, carry out food and cocktails. Oh, good. Uh, during all of this. Uh, it's, it's been a, a, the support from the, the Northside community of uh, our customers and many, in fact, new customers who've discovered us through uh, through the whole takeout ordeal uh, has really been just a huge advantage in allowing uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the staff to maintain some form of employment uh, and ensure that the the restaurant remains economically viable. Uh, and we intend to continue the, uh, the takeout food and we intend to continue the takeout cocktails as long as the state allows us to. Awesome. Cause I'm not, I'm not, uh, really anxious to get out and sit in a restaurant yet, but, mm -hmm. um, we've been trying to do carry out every night. So we've got, I, I have to admit we have not been to Huli Huli yet. We've been talking about it forever but it's hard for us having a cocktail tour every weekend to get up to Powell. So, but now we have time, so we have right. no excuse. Right. So. Well, the way we have a, we, we put a lot of work into our, uh, into our to go cocktail program. Um, we are uh, to go cocktails. Primarily the three we have all the time are our Mai Tai, our blue Hawaii and our painkiller, um, which are our three most uh, popular cocktails during, during normal times when, when we're not all in whatever we're dealing with right now. Yeah. Uh, but we, uh, you know, we sell the cocktails, uh, contain, you know, bottled up in, in ball jars and we, uh, we provide a little bit of uh, garnish and some swizzle sticks and fun like that, stuff like that. So you can uh, dress your drink up and feel like you're getting a proper tiki cocktail. 
it's more than just uh, you know a, a bottle of booze for you to, to pour into a glass. So uh, nice. we we put a fair amount into that, and we try to run some drink specials and things like that, and we'll continue to do so on that front. And uh, it should be a uh, hopefully we'll be allowed to continue that program for a while. I would love it if the state decided to extend the uh, you know to to harden up and and uh, make a little more sustainable the uh, regulations for to-go cocktails and maintain that as something going forward. Uh, I know there are a number of states in the country, including Ohio, who are at least giving some consideration to that front. And uh, that I think would be one of uh, a, a, a lasting long-term benefit to come out of all this mess. I think that would be helpful. Yeah. I think we should all write a letter to Jim Canepa, the superintendent. I was about to say, write your, write your, uh, your state representative and your state, your state senator and tell them that you'd really feel that uh, the, the interests of our, uh, of our community would support uh, responsible to-go cocktail programs. Absolutely. Well, Doug Winship, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We look forward to seeing you getting up to Powell and getting a cocktail. and. Um, Thank you for the good work that you've done with this cocktail book and supporting the industry. It's really great thing. So thank you for taking the time to be with us today and uh, take care of yourself. I had fun. Thank you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Careful. Cheers. Listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Seabus Craft Cocktail Tour. Visit our website at columbuscraftcocktailtour.com for cocktail tour dates women and whiskey tastings, special events, merchandise. And if you're looking for a gift for that special person in your life, get them a gift card to our cocktail tour. Thank you to our producer, Greg Hansberry, and to the biographer for our original music. And please remember to drink responsibly and be cocktail curious. Cheers. Cheers.